0: All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, his weekly visit is brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Our good friend David Locke. What's up, David? Not much. How's everybody doing? Good, man. How about yourself? You get any spring skiing in, or are you uh, uh, done for you done? I went to
1: I went to Alta for closing day number one um, on Sunday. It was fabulous. Great time. Good skiing. Good times. Had by all. Great, good little party. Bands going. It's awesome.
0: What what uh, resort was it that does the fog party? Is that still a thing?
1: I don't know. What is that?
0: Oh, I think that might have been a different resort. It's just, uh, it's an acronym, but I, it has a curse word. Oh, in I know the, right, fo- you know the fog. The fog is solitude. Yes. That's why I thought you might, I thought it was solitude. You might you uh, know. Yeah, that's solitude is the fog. Okay. I know the last day up at all those resorts is usually a pretty ripping yeah, time. Closing day
1: is always a great deal of fun. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Jazz tonight against Houston, and David, this is a, a part in the schedule where the Jazz should be able to make a little hay with Donovan Mitchell or without it. I know this feels weird to ask, but is this actually a decent part of the year for Donovan to be missing some games, schedule ease, and just it's probably a good spot to get some rest? Well,
1: I mean, if if Donovan, you know, really depends on if he comes back and, and how he comes back, right? Like, I mean, that's the issue. So, before you can equate, should the Jazz – be able to have, you know, so the Jazz p- playing this sequence of games right now are playing, I was just on a call with, with Craig Ackerman and Matt Bullard from the Rockets, and, you know, my, my feeling is that, hey, the Jazz, the, here's the fortune part. They're playing the 30th-ranked defensive team in the league in Sacramento. They're playing two games against the 28th defensive-ranked team in the league, and they're playing a game against the 26th. Ranked. So their next four games, the defensive ranking of the teams they play are 26, 28, and 30. Mike Conley and Joe Ingles are good enough that that should that we should be okay, right? Like that should not be. We should be able to handle that with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. I uh, mean, with Mike Conley and Joe Ingles as our point guards. So that you know, if that's if that's what you're asking, then yes, I agree. We should be fine in that regard.
2: David, have you been able to pick up uh, how badly the Jazz want to finish at number one as opposed to number two? Does it really matter to them a lot, or what are you? What's your feeling?
1: So, I have not gotten any
2: comment in regards to that from the Jazz. Um,
1: you know, access is not great, um, so I don't have that. I, I think it's you know, I think they're not willing to fatigue themselves to a level so that they lose in the first round. Um, to go get it, but I think it's certainly important. Um, and it's important for a lot of reasons, one of which, maybe most importantly, is the fact that you, the team you're playing in the, in, in the first round will have already played, if you're the one seed, will have already played two games and in all likelihood is playing their third game in three cities by the time you start the series. Mm. And considering what a bloodbath. This might be in the Western Conference. If you can get through the first series in five, um, then you, I, I think you end up. You know, you have a, a a huge, huge advantage over the rest of the right. So, like, what number two? Phoenix opens up with Dallas. Like, how many games that series going?
0: Yeah, plenty probably. Right, six or seven, right? Don't you think? You'd think so. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, you know,
1: actually, Portland is the team that seemingly, you know, but they've always, you know, Terry Stotts has always got their team ready, and they got Dame, and um, you know, they don't, they don't seem to be on their game right now, and the return of Nurkic hasn't helped them. They've suddenly lost seven of ten, and frankly, you know, for all we talk about Dallas, they've lost five of five, and or lost five of the last ten, so. If they're not careful, they're going to get caught by Golden State or Memphis in this whole play-in scenario. And then, obviously, Denver and L.A., the one that you really care about if you're the one-team, Denver and L.A., I think is going to be quite a series. I mean, Denver's still good. They haven't lost since Murray got hurt. Um, and they, they uh, I've got some metrics to tell me they're going to be fine. I think it's a, they're a little overblown, but they actually tell me that they're going to be fine. So that's a big series. So I, I think just getting through a first-round series possibly – where you're playing a team that's not as maybe solid as some others, I think is is a really important aspect of this because of the rest. The second thing is these teams are all pretty close and similar. So if they're close and similar, then having home court advantage is is a bigger advantage maybe than ever before if everyone's uh, fairly closely knit. And I want that seventh game or you know at home, but really what I want the first two at home. That's what matters. And so when you look at when you look at all that, I think the first seed's really important. You get an easier opponent. You, you, And then the last piece of the puzzle, maybe minor, is I think just the way the schedule's playing out. You're guaranteed to play the last game in the first round, so you get the mo- while your opponent's playing two games, you get the most rest. Now, frankly, the other night we got a bunch of rest and looked like we were completely dead in the water, so maybe that's not the biggest advantage.
0: So, with that in mind, David, Gordon, and I have been talking about this for the past couple of days. Uh, Phoenix has a really tough stretch on the east uh, on an Eastern Conference road trip going on right now. They're at Philly tonight, Boston tomorrow. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. The Jazz, uh, you know, have Houston and and uh, and Minnesota a couple of times and Sacramento in the same stretch. you know it comes to mind that they could build a little bit of a a lead in the western conference because i don't think phoenix is going to win all those so with that in mind what is a comfortable lead in the west will lead by how many games with how many to go
1: oh i mean i think that so there's a few pieces here one is if you believe you know all the prognostications they have the jazz winning by five games four four game three or four games in in the projections but I think the Jazz better have that three- or four-game lead by the time they go to Phoenix, Um, is the way I look at it. I think 538 has the Jazz at 54 wins and the Suns at 50. But the Suns don't have another loss on their schedule after they play us. Um, So the Jazz better, you know, and there's nothing really, frankly, that the Jazz do to control this. I think the Phoenix uh, I actually think, like, you know, the whole silly, stupid phrase, you control your own destiny. I actually think the Phoenix Suns control this as much as the Jazz do. In other words, if Phoenix comes out of this West East Coast road trip at four and one, having played the five best teams in the conference and maybe get some breaks like they did the other night where, one, they got a mystery foul call, and two, Giannis got a cramp and didn't play the overtime. And then they play LA, which they've already got a break because it's unlikely that Kawhi Leonard will play in that game against them. Well, now all of a sudden, if we, you know, they have the tiebreaker against us. So if we head down to Phoenix and it's it's one or two games at that point. I look at the schedule and think Phoenix has the advantage. So this is a this is a massive, massively important week. Uh, and what's important is the Jazz have to hold serve, and then Phoenix has to to run into these teams. But they, you know, in this day, right now with everything going on, they got to run into them in full strength. I haven't looked to see whether Embiid and Simmons are going tonight or what the injury report is. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry were all listed as. On ESPN, day-to-day, ESPN somehow still hasn't like updated their um, injury list to actually be what the NBA injury list is. So I don't know what that means. Um, but all those guys were questionable players today, and so, you know, that's big. Let's see who, who they actually roll out here in about an hour.
2: David, you've often pointed out the importance of Rudy Gobert, and, uh, I mean, he, he, the, the effect he has on games for the Jazz is just unbelievable, and and Donovan has had a terrific year and whatnot, but I, I was doing research for a column for the weekend, and I saw these numbers, and I wanted to run them by you, okay? And this is about a certain player on the Jazz and his effective field goal percentage. When he came to Utah in 2014-15, that percentage was 51%. The next year, it was 56%. The following year, it was 58. There's some change to this, but the next year, 60, then 56, then 57. This year, Joe Ingles' effective field goal percentage is 69.9. So it's essentially 70%. That is unbelievable, is it not? I mean, especially for a player who plays from distance the way he does.
1: Well, the the distance is what he's doing, so... Yeah. Um what the league still is a may, maybe not maybe maybe they are but it feels to me as though the league is still a little late on understanding the impact of high volume high percentage three point shooting. If you go back and look at the Atlanta Hawks the year they won and nobody was quite sure why it was because Kyle Korver shot you know four th- over four threes a game and made 49% He's the only other player in the history of the league to take over five threes a game and make over 49%. Joe Ingles is doing it right now. So when we talk about the, like, what Joe is doing is, in actually some metrics I have, the most offensively positive impact of any player on the roster is Joe Ingles right now and what he does with his possessions. Um, And it's not a lot of them. Um, but, and obviously, you know, you have to have some high usage players around him for him to be able to be successful, but no, he is, he is remarkable. Um, he is having a historic shooting season
2: and it is a v- huge, huge reason why our record is what it is. And that only covers his shooting, not to mention the other contributions he makes. Well, his
1: playmaking is terrific. You know, he and Rudy are one of the top 10 pick and roll combinations of the NBA. Yeah.
0: All right, David. I hate to uh, to put you in the middle of Gordon's and my squabbles, but uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I know. We you do know,
1: like I think, like people. Counselors get paid more than play-by-play announcers. Yeah,
0: probably true.
2: All right, I'm all gonna... right. Hold on, hold on here. If you're going to couch this, then you need to say it the right way, uh, Jake. So if you're going to spell it out for David, let me have my say on spelling it out too.
0: Do you do that for me? Absolutely not. Never. Nor did you do that when you asked Gordy Chies about this the other day. So, here's. Oh, I listen. I listen to this. All right. Here's um, my question. I listen because I listened to Gordy Chies
1: on your app. Or no, on my da- I download
0: it, listen to it. So here's how I will phrase it. Uh, if I were to express the opinion to you that Andre Drummond was going to be a, it was not big, impactful acquisition for the Lakers, and Saturday's game against the Jazz was evidence of that, you oh, would say...
2: Oh, come on, come on. That was that is, your opinion. It, that was it, it is not. I was speaking specifically of one game. That's what we were arguing about, Jake. I said that Andre Drummond scoring 27 points with the eight rebounds against the Jazz on Saturday night was, was meaningful. You said and it was- you said he played like crap. And that the eight rebounds were a travesty.
0: Embarrassing was the word I used. He should be embarrassed right. he only had eight rebounds. I wasn't rebounds.
2: talking about Andre Drummond as a player and his that he's going to win an NBA title for the that Lakers. That was a previous no, conversation. No, it, was, and it was
0: But no, anyway, David.
1: The more Andre Drummond, the better for the Utah Jets. Amen. Except, agree for on more. Saturday,
2: except for on Saturday night.
1: Who did we play at center on
2: Saturday, Gordon? I understand that, but he still scored twenty-seven but points. It doesn't 10 matter, 15. Gordon. Well, the the Lakers won,
1: Gordon. For the sake of an argument, stop yourself. <laughs> I mean, who did we start at center?
2: I understand that, but. How did he do on on the Monday when we played NBA centers? David, I predicted that. I said when Rudy Gobert was in the game, it was going to be totally different. We were talking about one game, one moment in time, what happened in that particular game.
1: So if I send Juwan Morgan to the G League and he shoots 72% and averages 16 points and 10 rebounds, is he ready for the NBA playoffs?
2: See, you're, you're making the same mistake Jake did. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about one game. What were you talking about? I don't even know that. <laughs> I don't know how. Let me to just say it. this. If
1: you're taking Andre Drummond's performance on Saturday to mean anything more than his performance on Saturday, I think you've made a mistake.
2: That Was exactly what I was doing. I was talking about one game. I was not making some sort of judgment or prediction. About, I mean, Jake. I, Jake and I do agree that Andre Drummond might not even spend that much time on the floor once uh, once the stars are back. I understand that.
0: I, I think we need to replay that segment for you, Gordon. But I'll allow all right. David's. Uh, I'll, I'll allow David's opinion to stand because I think it's okay. A good
2: one. So David, David says what he says, and Gordy said what he said, which was he agreed with me. So let's it's, let's call it a draw.
0: I don't think so. I, you but know that's what? All right. By the way,
2: I don't think that. Um... Gordy really agreed with you
1: I just thought that Jake did a really really bad job presenting (laughs) his case
0: well considering Gordon asked the question and I politely didn't intercede I guess that uh, (laughs) I guess that's true and I'll mind my matters the way
1: the way the question was phrased Gordon Chiesa knowing that he's Gordon Chiesa had no chance but to answer anything else (laughs) but what he answered (laughs)
0: Uh, I agree. So, David, let's talk about tonight's game, shall we? (laughs) Last time uh, the Jazz— Yeah, I only only have about two minutes left. All right. Last time the Jazz played the Rockets, it was ugly. The Jazz still won. But we got a post-game Quinn Snyder that I haven't seen before, well, at least this year, where he really got after his squad. And I think that that was strategic. Do we see, um, I guess— Well, I guess there's not really any correlation other than, do you agree that that moment kind of stood out?
1: It's a good question. Like, do you think, and what do you ask? Do you think like it's culturally important that he always has the same standard? Do you think it is that it sets that sets the tone and propels us into something? I mean, frankly, I think we lost our two of our next three, didn't we?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and there were some struggles. I just thought, as, as consistent as his messaging is, I, I that... just
1: think that for whatever reason. And I think I'm right on this. Quinn Snyder teams have not come out of the All Star break well and they don't start seasons very well. They just kind of need a little while to get going. And, you know, we've won five of seven again. So um you know, and so I you know, and we're a ball where a ball bounce away, you know, even if you count it, what have, since since we struggled, what have we won? Um thirteen of our last seventeen? Like, no one's going crazy about the way we're playing. We've won 13 of 17, right? Our two losses are both in overtime?
0: Two of our four losses are in
1: overtime. We're 13. We're like, right? Like, I mean, talk about, like, I'm not answering your question, but, like, talk about how spoiled did we become when you go win 20 out of 21? Like, we now go win 13 out of 17? We're like, ho-hum.
2: David, I know you're short of time, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the guilty. By the way, the guy
1: who I'm talking to next – um, is going to win this battle.
2: So go ahead. I was, I was curious to know your reaction to the guilty verdicts yesterday.
1: Um, I was surprised because I understand the constitutional law impact of how incredibly difficult it is to have a police officer guilty of murder because of the previous standards. So it tells you how incredibly egregious the act was to be able to do that. Um, and thank goodness that you know, if someone commits an act that egregious that they, regardless of their employment status, that they're that they're found guilty for such an act. Like we have set up a precedent, and there's a great podcast by more Perfect on it on how incredibly difficult and what the standard by which a police officer is held to. That's probably something we should consider and whether that's the right decision or not. And to be guilty as a police officer, you have to be egregious, and he was.
0: David, thank you. Good luck with your next conversation. Talk to you later. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.